0: Welcome to Councilcast from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. I'm Sandy Laycox, Associate Managing Editor of Leader's Edge magazine, and I'm joined today by Scott Fouts, Vice President of the South Region for Hub International's Risk Services Division. How are you, Scott?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for being here with us. Uh, your uh, presence here is very timely as we are. Uh, nearing distracted driving month, which is April. And we're going to talk a lot about distracted driving along with what's going on in the commercial auto realm, um, technology changes and uh, those kinds of things. But figured we could start off talking about uh, some distracted driving. And, um, you know, I know you've got some stats around it that are pretty uh, pretty important, and we'd love to hear what you guys are doing uh, to recognize uh, the upcoming uh, Distracted Driving Month in April.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so our Huber Services team have, uh, is actually aligning with uh, kind of National Safety Council's Distracted Driving Month, and basically April 2nd we'll be rolling out uh, a Distracted uh, Driving webinar, and it's more for managers, supervisors operation managers, uh, of the do's and the don'ts, but also talk about policies and procedures and some of the costs associated with uh, distracted driving because there are some lawsuits out there um, to where from an employee liability standpoint, um, their, the liability has increased and they pay out these large sums of money uh, in these lawsuits uh, that are dedicated to distracted driving. Uh, the following week, April ninth, we'll actually be kicking out an on-demand some a slash podcast for uh, drivers. We'll actually send that out to our clients and pros- uh, prospects. And uh, they're more than welcome to actually feed that off to their drivers. And uh, our goal there is to give some type of driver awareness uh, training uh, to uh, the ground level folks from drivers, maybe ops people and things like that. And then uh, later in the month, um, the 16th, we will actually be doing a couple bulletins and safety blogs around distracted driving. And then the last week of the month, uh, we'll actually be having one of our hub vendors, uh, Fleet Mode, which is actually an app uh, that your commercial drivers or any type of drivers can have on their phone. And it basically locks out any type of incoming calls, text messaging, anything that would be considered distracted driving but also has kind of a GPS component to it, so where you can get some driver data when the driver's driving, uh, you know, with speed and telematics and things like that. So it's not really a telematics solution more than it is uh, driver monitoring and cutting out driver distractions. So that will be our month-long campaign. Our goal, obviously, is to bring more awareness to distracted driving and some of the issues that are out there. A lot of folks, uh, that's one of the things that's really pushing the commercial auto industry right now, uh, 25 to 30% of all accidents are attributed to distracted driving, and, you know, the costs associated with that are just astronomical uh, when you think about uh, the cost from a liability standpoint, medical insurance, but uh, also the physical damage of the vehicle. So that's really pushing the commercial auto industry right now.
0: Yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about where the industry is going. We've seen um, increasing um, hardening of the market over the past few years. Do you impart to distracted driving? What are there other factors involved? Can you shed a little light on that for us?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So I would say probably over the last ten years, uh, you've seen an increase obviously in, in, in uh the cost of insurance coverage from an automobile standpoint. Uh, you know, if you can look go back to two thousand six to now it's up almost twenty points uh from a combined loss ratio. And for the those that don't know insurance, uh, there's really two components in the commercial auto industry. Uh, there's uh, underwriter expense and there's overall loss ratio. And the underwriter expense is always sits about between 28, maybe 30, maybe 32% each year. And then you have a, a loss ratio that is based on uh, client performance. And that's really pushed into the 76, 78 range. So when you're combining those two numbers, uh anytime you get over 100, that's not very good. Uh, to put in perspective, in 2006, I think it started somewhere around 92. And uh, this past year, uh, we're just over 112. So you're talking a pretty good jump over uh, over the course of 10 years of that rate of 20 points. And that's really pushing uh, the cost. And there's really not too many carriers out there right now that are doing it very well. Uh, And a lot of them, in my opinion, you're going to see it go a lot away from um, first dollar and guaranteed cost to more of a, maybe an SIR or, or maybe even a deductible. I think uh, when we look at you know, auto insurance coverage in the next couple of years, I think guaranteed costs is just going to be a luxury that a lot of um, uh, companies just aren't going to be able to afford.
0: Are there any carriers who are doing this well at all? And if so, can you talk to us about what they are doing differently?
1: So I, I think carriers are being very selective about what types of industries uh, they're willing to get into. Uh, you know, If you look at the top system right now, uh, from, from all in, from the direct right, uh, Progressive is probably one of the few that's profitable. Um, back in 2016, I think in September 2016, they decided to get out of the towing truck uh, operation. So I think if you look at the different carriers, they're being very selective about the types of industries that they're willing to ride. Uh, but also looking at the controls. You know, they're going to want to write the best in class when it comes to those uh, type of industries. And when you think about best in class, like the selection of drivers, the monitoring of drivers, whether it's telematics, uh, looking at their policy and procedures, their driver accountability. So I think when you're looking at carriers long term, they're going to want to know those controls are in place, uh, but also they're monitoring their drivers. But if you really look at the top 15 uh, carriers right now from a direct rent premium standpoint for auto. I would say progressive uh, is one of the few that that, uh, that are profitable.
0: So for, for brokers who are trying to work with clients to get their employees, their drivers, um, you know, better policies, do you have any advice for how they can help um, with education, with training, with using some of these tools, telematics, what have you, that can help, with, uh, you know, lower the risk?
1: Absolutely. So I think uh, one key thing that uh, all carriers are going to look for right now is having a formal fleet safety program, having a way to not only hire drivers, but to evaluate them, whether it's uh, having a motor vehicle evaluation tool, you know, going back two or three years, really looking at their motor vehicle records, but also what do you do with them once they get in the door, Um, whether it's driver training, whether it's monitoring by telematics, pre-training, post-accident, even refresher training. Uh, Even if a driver doesn't have accidents, they can always have bad habits. So what does that annual refresher driver training look like? Uh, Are you having an annual review with the driver to kind of spot check those things, giving them kind of a driver scorecard? I think carriers are really going to align with that monitoring and uh, driver accountability. Uh, going forward because that's really the only way that they can make sure that they're putting drivers in the best position. And ultimately, the supervisors and managers that are actually uh, overseeing those drivers, and that's why our, our webinar for the distracted driving, we're kicking off with the supervisors and managers. They're the front line of defense for any any uh, company. Uh, they're really the, the boots on the ground that not only that are looking at the accident investigating the accident, but they're also coaching the drivers. And right now in the industry, uh, specific to trucking, it's really hard to find and retain really, really good drivers. And even with the new ELD mandate that came out um, this past December, you're probably seeing a, a decrease of probably 2 or 3% of drivers across the board. So where, where are the industries going to get those drivers from? Where are they going to coach them? Where are they going to train them? And you're going to go back to the trucking schools and things like that. But ultimately, once they're on the door, you want to make sure that you're you're training them, uh, you know, and keeping them happy in the sense, you know, with good benefits and things like that. So it's it's really a a, a wholesale gamut of, of really coaching and getting good into get employees and drivers in the door. Another
0: um number that, that we've talked about in the past and, and that stands out is the increasing claim severity in auto. Can you talk a little bit about what drives that?
1: So a couple of different things. When you think about any of the medical insurance coverages right now, medical costs, uh, the cost of going to a doctor visit or something that happened, those insurance costs have gone up. Uh, I think that the number over the last decade was around 47% uh, overall cost increase, and that really comes back to, to uh, the cost of healthcare, uh, the cost of going to see in a doctor or something that happens, long-term rehabilitation. I think the one thing that a lot of folks get lost on is, you know, when you have a worker's comp claim, it's one claim. You know, you you have a worker's claim, the employee gets back to work, whether it's transitional duty or maybe there's some indemnity and in medical costs. But when you have a, a vehicle accident and you hit somebody that has two or three passengers in, in the car or in the vehicle, you're going to have one or two physical damage uh, claims from, from each vehicle, but then you're going to have two or three liability claims from the folks that were in there. So one event can result in probably five or six claims, depending on the number of passengers that are in it. So from, from a medical call standpoint, That factor goes up just because of the exposure. I think the other side of it, the physical damage over the last probably 10 years has probably rose about 17%, if I remember my numbers correctly. When you think about that, it's great that all the vehicles that you see now with the lane departure and assistance with mirrors and all the bells and whistles that come manufactured into a vehicle, it's great to have uh, and it's built in a lot of safety devices. But once that vehicle gets into an accident, once the vehicle is damaged, the sensors are damaged, uh, the lane departure doesn't work anymore, or even something from an electronical mode where it shuts the car down if you've been into an accident, uh, the cost of that has gone up because those type of safety devices, those type of sensors, the cost of repair those and uh, just the labor for the, the folks that are being trained to repair those items has gone up. So I think you're going to consistently see the cost of both medical and physical damage insurance going up in the future. And that's really pushing the severity.
0: Yeah, and we haven't been able to solve the healthcare cost problem yet <laughs> either. So <laughs> we no, it's no. kind of a double whammy there. Is so it's so looking at, looking into the future and talking a little bit about all of these, you know, technologies, bells and whistles, how obviously, you know, we can take this pretty far and love to touch on driverless cars as well. Just take us into the future a little bit and talk about how these changes will affect the commercial auto insurance industry in terms of, you know, changes in liability or um, changes in obviously what the car can do and and what the, the person is responsible for and um, et cetera. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, and you know, Somebody asked me the other day, we were talking about autonomous vehicles, and I, I don't think it's right around the corner like a lot of folks think. I think it'll be a little bit longer term. Uh, but when you think about autonomous vehicles, you know, take trucking, for example. You're still going to have to have drivers in the cab delivering the product, getting the, the product on and off uh, the trailer. So I don't think that'll go away. Uh, I read an article the other day that uh, it was Spark Industries that had delivered water for a 68-mile stretch uh, somewhere in Florida after Hurricane Irma. And it was really the first uh, autonomous vehicle that went. There was, there was somebody in the cab, so it wasn't obviously driverless, but there was somebody there, but it did operate on its own. Uh, I, I, I still think that technology is way down the road. I think that it also presents other exposures. Uh, I, I, I laugh. Uh, a couple, couple of days ago, a friend of mine was telling me that something with one of his electronics in, inside his own vehicle was going wrong and kept dinging and belling, and all of a sudden, uh, some of the electronic parts shut down. And the vehicle is only two years old, so imagine a driverless car out there with the dings and the bells and the whistles start going off and there's nobody there to take control of the vehicle. Uh, so I think it comes with its own exposures and controls. There's also a lot of monitoring in those, the vehicles that are going to be there, and then you also have that cyber exposure. So I think long term there's there's there will be a lot of folks that uh, probably adapt to where the industry will be. Um, I really don't know. I, I if, if In my opinion, my professional opinion will probably – probably a good 10 years away uh, from really having autonomous vehicles. Uh, there's some there's some manufacturers out there right now are having a hard time even getting products out on the line just in general sense of cars. So I think when you're talking about trucking or maybe the commercial motor vehicle industry, I just I think we're a little bit away from solely autonomous vehicles. And even if we do get to that point, you're really going to need drivers and folks that are in the cab delivering those products, picking up those products and things like that.
0: My colleague and I were sitting here discussing um, the fact that California had recently passed a law allowing um, autonomous vehicles to be tested on the road without anyone in the cab, which we thought was a, an interesting development in not necessarily that any of these cars are ready, but um, that, that you know, a little bit of regulation is moving forward was interesting.
1: Yeah, so a little bit of that's posturing around the industry. I uh, guess like in the state, you're going to want manufacturers, you're going to want companies come to your state and build factories and build jobs long-term. So a little bit of that's posturing around, you know, hey, we made the regulations open so that to attract more companies to come there and want to build or want to come there and test. So that allows them to do that. Uh, I don't know a lot of companies. I read an article the other day that uh, there was a I can't remember the name of the manufacturer of the company, but Domino's uh, the pizza company was looking at trying to do one of the first delivery you know autonomous vehicle, you know, and they were partnering with one of the car manufacturers. So I think those type of and I'm not calling them gimmicks, but I think I'll call it more clustering around what's out there to getting names out there, state recognition out there. I think it's going to want to drive uh, you know companies to come to those states. Uh, not just from the manufacturing standpoint, but you know the, if the laws are open that way, and they're allowed to do it. You know, it's kind of being kind of like uh, you know first in, first in doing it. So I, I think that's a little bit more posturing around probably the industry and attracting you know businesses and talent and uh, and and money more than anything else. Yep,
0: that's that's a really good point.
1: Um,
0: there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this goes back to um, a talk that you gave a few months ago um, to one of the council groups. And you were talking about uh, these smarter cities and, um, you know, how that really plays into this in an interesting way. And I was wondering if you could uh, describe a little bit of that for us.
1: Sure. Uh, the DOT right now actually has a grant program. And I want to say it's 42 or 45 million. But they opened it in three spots. They opened it in Tampa, Florida, New York City, and I believe it's I-80 off, uh, in Wyoming. And it's really uh, dedicated towards uh, smart cities. And uh, it's a grant program. You can go through and apply for free federal grant money, but it's really for this equipment that actually fits into your vehicle. And it's really going towards these smart cities that, whether it's lights or the information bounces up, different signs, uh, it's really a way that all this equipment talks to each other. And it really is kind of geared around, you know, uh, companies being able to figure out where maybe there's crossroads or a better route to get there. Um, whether it's you know construction on the interstate that may be shut down. And it's really more about efficiency. Uh, but the SMART technology actually talks to each other. And if you're in one of these cities, you can actually apply for the free grant money that'll give you the equipment. Uh, they won't install it in all the all the vehicles you probably have in the place, but a, a small portion of them. And they allow it as a pilot, as a test, test opportunity. Uh, but the way the uh, technology works is it bounces off different camera systems, monitoring devices all around the city. So in Tampa, New York City, and off um, I-80 in Wyoming, these devices are set up, whether it's on the interstate or on the roadways, and they talk to each other and you know uh, it was really kind of built around again efficiency and fuel costs and uh emissions and things like that so instead of being you know at a stoplight after stoplight after stoplight the technology kind of talks to you and lets you know what's the best direction and course of, of driving in order not just from a fuel efficiency and maintenance cost standpoint but emissions and carbon dioxide and things like that so i think on at their level, they're really trying to gear different cities that maybe have opportunities to be what they call smart cities. And it's a really, really, really neat project. Uh, you can actually go to the DOT's website and, and kind of look up uh, the, the pilot program. And if you're in one of those cities, you can actually go and apply for the, for the free grant money.
0: Um, any other final thoughts you want to give us on the industry, where it's headed, uh, anything else?
1: Uh, you know, not really. I think we, we covered it. I think, uh, you know, distracted driving month, again, I think we uh, that's probably one of the most uh, biggest things out there right now that's pushing the commercial commercial auto industry, probably more than speeding or driving accidents or distracted driving. The problem that we're having, I think, right now in every state, I think 31 out of 50 states uh, right now really don't have a way of tracking distracted driving. So and what I mean by that is if, if you got into an accident and it was deemed distracted driving, that's really all it says. It may even say cell phone, but it really doesn't get down to kind of into the weeds. Was it text messaging? Was the person eating? Were they messing with the radio? Uh, it really doesn't really signal out what the distracted driving was. And I think we're going to have to really get to that point uh, at some point from a tracking standpoint or with the way the police report would roll out whenever somebody is distracted driving and they were messing with the radio to that level of, of, of thinking. Because we really need to identify what it is. And I, I think if you look at the statistics right now, cell phones are about 23 to about 25% of all accidents. So, a quarter of all accidents are attributed to cell phones. But, you know, is that text messaging? You know, is it, you know, doing like Google CarPlay or Apple, Apple uh, CarPlay on your on your phone? You know, those things really need to be accounted for if you really want to get to the crux of distracted driving. But ultimately, it's going to fall back on the companies. And I really stress employer liability when I say this. You know, if you're allowing your drivers to talk or text on on their on their phones while they're in the vehicle, uh, you could be liable. So you're going to see that kind of come out during our webinars from a hub standpoint uh, over the next month.
0: Thank you for joining us for Councilcast from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. Until next time, be sure to follow us on Twitter for all the latest updates. We're at the CIAB, and don't forget Leaders Edge Magazine at Leaders Edge Magazine.